job. That's an old song, amen? I like that one. Keep your Bible open there to 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to use it here in just a moment. Let me start by saying this. I love the Bible. Uh, I really enjoy all of the Bible, but the little book of 1 John, it's only five chapters, is just a power pack. It's kind of like a multivitamin that's just got everything in it. And uh, it amazes me. We read the Bible sometimes and wait for God to show us something that we can think about. I think we ought to read it and then think about it whether he shows us something or not. And it's amazing how much of the Bible we miss because we don't think about it. And today I want to give you one of those truths. He gave us the Bible for us to think about. Look at verse number 1. That which was from the beginning. Now everybody look at me. What was from the beginning? God. Kind of reminds you of Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, right? All right, let's keep reading. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon with our hands, or looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Notice that word is capitalized, right? Turn in your Bible to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John from the New Testament there. John chapter 1. I want to show you how God put the Bible together, not man. Look at John chapter 1, verse number 1. In the beginning, there's that word beginning, right? Was the what? Is that a small w or a capital? Just like in 1 John chapter 1, right? Oh. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Now skip down in verse number 14. And the what? Small or capital? And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When the Bible says, go back to 1 John chapter 1, verse number 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. God is saying that 50 years before then, there was a man named Jesus, and John was testifying that he had seen him, he had looked on him, he had heard him, as hands have handled the word of life, which was Jesus. Wow. For the life was manifested. Do you know what the word manifested means? Made flesh. Put into something that was tangible. Just like John 1.14, and the word was made flesh. He was manifested. 
He was put into a body like a man. He has always been the man part of the Godhead, but he had to put on a body that could die. Wow. And it says, and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest unto us. And he's saying, look, uh, I saw him. I touched him. I heard him. I actually worked with him. And you need to listen. I was there. He was an old timer. He had to be at least 55 years old. Yes. Now, wait a minute. But that's not the whole sermon. I want you to look at verse number four. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. The old timers who saw Jesus. The crowd that had seen the people who were healed by Jesus. The people who heard Jesus preach. The people who had received the miracles. And had heard the miracles. And had seen the miracles. The Bible says that they had joy that was full. They had a joy that was full. And God's using John here to say, please listen to me. Because you could have the same full joy. It's not just for one generation. God gave us the word of God to transcend all generations, all people groups, all races, all languages. And God wants you to have full joy. This last Wednesday night, Dr. Cecil Thayer from Massillon, Ohio, was here with a group of young people graduating from the Christian school. Dr. Thayer and I are the same age. We're going on retirement next year. No, uh, but Brother Theron was in my office and he said, he said, Brother Bush, he said, I'm so glad we have, because uh, I'm going back in May to preach the 50th graduation for uh, the Christian school that I graduated from. And he said, I'm so glad to have somebody from 30 years ago come back and preach. I said, Brother Thayer, how long? He said, it's been 30 years, Brother Bush. I said, what year did you graduate? He said, 1985. I said, it's more than 30 years. I said, try 38. He said, it is not. I said, do the math. I graduated from Christian school, not public school like you. He said, it really is 38 years, isn't it? I said, it really is. You're getting older than you thought you were. He said, man, that really hurts. I said, yeah, it does. The group got here early. I took care of feeding them. They got out of the van and we talked a little bit. And he said, Brother Bush, can we stop by your office? We all walked in. He looked up and he saw a picture of Brother Hiles there. He said, this broke my heart. He said, anybody tell me who that picture is? There wasn't one guy other than Brother Thayer that knew who Brother Hiles was. Then I realized there was nobody in that group that was alive while he was alive. 
He said, when we go sit and eat, can you tell us what you told my college class seven years ago when you preached? I said, no, you can ask me questions, but I don't remember what I said seven years ago. He said, uh, so we went back here and he, he began to ask me questions and I began to answer them and uh, the guys were just glued to it. And one of the young men looked at me and he said, you really got to work for him, didn't you? I said, yeah, I did. I got to shake his hand. I got to sit in meetings with him. I got to touch him. I got to be with him. It wasn't just somebody I saw that visited on a preaching engagement and I walked up and shook his hand. I knew him. They were like, wow. I said, take the knife out of my back. Man, do I feel old. They realized here in 1 John they could not go back and physically handle Jesus. He had risen. He was in heaven. But God said that we could have the same fullness of joy as those who did. Now let me say something. Wouldn't you like to have joy that is full? Wouldn't you like to have joy that is not just partial, but full? May I just shout for a moment? We can have the same joy that those who saw Jesus had. Remember, many a times I have said this. God, you use Charles Spurgeon. You said you're not a respecter person. If I'll follow the same Bible he followed, you could use me. God used J. Frank Norris. Used John Rice. Used Billy Sunday. Used Jack Hiles. Used Lee Robertson. You used Curtis Hudson. Used Joe Boyd. God, do you love them more than you love me? If I'll do what you said do, you are to bless your word, not bless me. I've said that many a time. I can have the same joy as any great spiritual leader you've ever talked about or seen. And God promised a fullness of joy to everyone, not just those who saw the original. I hold in my hands the original word of God. King James Bible, 1611, is the Bible for the English-speaking people. Now listen to me very carefully. How full is your joy? Not how happy are you. Joy is not happiness. Happiness, the root word of happiness, is happenings. Happiness is based on what happens around you. In a little while, you'll go eat lunch and be happy. <laughs> and uh, you, there, there are certain, and uh, my, my daughter, since uh, our grandson was born in Georgia, almost every day she'll FaceTime us so Grandma can see the grandbaby. That makes her happy. 
Makes me happy. I can't talk yet, but we sit there and act like idiots. <laughs> anyway, never did understand that. No wonder babies talk so stupid. We're <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, we those are happenings, but you can have joy with or without lunch, with or without the FaceTime. You can have joy. Joy is not what happens. Joy is not how I feel at the moment. Uh, joy is not everything going right and everything is just wonderful right now. If that's the case, nobody would have joy. Especially if you had kids. So what is joy? Joy is not a feeling. Joy is a right attitude when everything's going wrong. Joy requires opposition. If it doesn't have opposition, there is no joy needed. Joy is not shouting because the bills are paid and you're doing well. Joy is you pray down enough food to eat lunch. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Hang on. Jesus is the word of God. And he has given us the word of God so that we could read it, handle it, see it, talk to it, and have it talk to us so that he could give us joy. See, some only taste Some open the bag of potato chips, eat one chip, close it up, and then they're done. And in the words of that famous American, Gomer Pyle, dumb, dumb, dumb. Nobody eats one potato chip. Say, so, well, I can, yeah. And then five minutes later, you're, you're sneaking around the corner eating more, shoving them in your face. Now, wait a minute. Some only taste of it. But God said, I want you to have joy that's full. Some have partial joy. They have it on good days, but sometimes they don't. God said, I want you to have joy that can be full. Let's look at this today. Number one, joy is not something you produce. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Joy is not something you produce. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, look at verse number 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. Now look at me. Did that say the fruit of the Christian? No. What produces fruit? The Christian or the Spirit? The Spirit. So it has to be the Holy Spirit then that gives us joy. Watch what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Joy, look at me, is something that the Holy Spirit 
produces in the saved person's life. Now listen to me very carefully. When a person trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior, they get saved. Something happens. It's called being born again. If you went to John chapter 3, we'll not turn there right now, a man named Nicodemus, a rich young ruler, came to Jesus by night and said, look, how do I enter the kingdom of heaven? Jesus said, you must be born again. He said, now wait a minute. You mean I got to get back in my mama and get rehatched? She ain't going to like it, neither am I. And Jesus said, no, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Two different spirits mentioned. One small S, one big S. You see, God made man body, soul, and spirit. Lost man is body and soul because when man sinned, when man sinned his spirit died. And it needs to be reborn, or we would use the word regenerated, regened, regeneticized, and that only comes by the Holy Spirit of God. When we realize we're sinners, and that there's a penalty on sin, which is death and hell, and we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, and we turn to Him, not our own righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ, and the moment we trust that, the Bible says we're born again. And at that very moment, we are born, there is a conception that takes place. Watch this. And it's the Holy Spirit that indwells us. You don't lay on the floor and flip around and start jibber-jabbering. You don't get up and start saying all the motorcycle names backwards. Just like when a lady gets pregnant, there may or may not be a feeling, but it's there. There's life that's conceived. Now watch this. That means it is the Holy Spirit then who indwells us. That is where we get the eternal genetics of God to live life Everlasting. God literally puts his genetics into us by the Holy Spirit. And our spirit is born of the Holy Spirit. And he indwells us until we die. It is his spirit that beareth witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. I know many people's voices. But I know my dad's voice. I could have 50 of you men say, hey. But there's only one that says, hey, that I know exactly whose voice that is. I've heard it enough in my life. I've had to listen to it many a time. Because if you didn't, you was getting slapped upside the back of the head real quick. You Listen to me, boy. Yes, sir. I remember the night before I got married, I still had a curfew. I was a Bible college graduate. Went home to get married, and I still had a curfew. By the way, thank God. My mom and dad were in their room in bed. I stepped in. I was getting ready to walk into the washroom, and I'll never forget it. Their door was cracked open. I was trying to be quiet, trying to be nice, and I remember getting one foot right through the door of the threshold. I hadn't even put my foot down, and I heard, hey, I said, sir, 
it was, I mean, 22 years old. I've got a college degree. I still have a curfew. And my dad said, hey, <laughs> spun around. Had one of the sweetest talks we had up until that point in my life. Can I tell you something? When you know who daddy is, you listen. And when you get saved, God becomes our father and the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. Now watch this. That means this. With him in us then, he then is able to bear fruit in us to use. Therefore, we have the fruit of the spirit. Here's the thing. If we don't use it, we lose it. I bought my new truck in December. Brother Bob, when I picked it up, it was full of gas. It cost me an extra $500. No. Uh, <laughs> but, but when my truck needed gas, I didn't go back to the dealership and trade it in and buy a new truck. Say, preacher, that's kind of stupid. Well, that's the average Christian. No, you stop at a gas station and you fill it up. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the gas pump that never runs out. And you don't even have to pay for it. It came free. Can you imagine free refills on your truck every time you needed it? Glory to God. Can I tell you something? The moment you get saved, you get free refills of the Holy Spirit anytime you want. That's better than Dunkin' Donuts any day. By the way, joy is something that the Holy Spirit produces in us. Turn to John chapter 17. Not 1 John, but actual John. John chapter 17. Look at verse number 13. Jesus is talking to God the Father here, and I want you to notice what he says to God the Father about us. Look at verse number 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, none of them as lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee. And these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Did you know that God and Jesus wants you to have the same joy fulfilled, filled full in your life that Jesus had? Jesus was even praying here in John 17, and he said, God, would you please fulfill my joy in them? How was he going to do that? Through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. So joy is not a feeling of happiness. Joy is a right attitude facing difficult times. Joy is not something you can prepare. It is an obedience to a truth. Joy is not something that you're going to feel. Joy is going to be responding by character to a truth, not by your own desires. 
Joy is the phone ringing at one o'clock in the morning. Preacher, yep, what you need. Do you think I want to wake up at one o'clock in the morning? No. Guess what? It does. Usually takes two rings. First one, I wake up. Second one, I've gone, okay, I'm alive. Here we go. Joy is, let me help you. Do you think I always feel like doing what I have to do? Nobody does. When I got up yesterday, I felt like a train hit me and backed up to see if it got me. The rain was coming in. The bones were hurting. You all know what I'm talking about? You older people do. And if it don't hurt, it don't work. Amen? My thumb was killing me. My hip was killing me. Miss Kathy had gout. And uh, we're all out there hobbling yesterday. But can I tell you something? The joy was the obedience. The joy was we did what God said even when we didn't feel like doing it. And I met a man who needed prayed with. I talked to a a family that needed help. I helped this lady. I had a preacher call and needed some advice. Man, was I glad I had joy. By the way, none of their problems were as bad as mine. In my own opinion. But I saw my problems closer. By the time I got done helping them, I went back to find mine and it wasn't so big anymore. So joy is that right response. It's an act of obedience, not an act of emotion. You've heard me say this often. I'm not against feelings. But the Holy Spirit does not work with our feelings. He works with the word of God. The old little chorus I sing often to myself. I'd rather trust in God than trust in my own feelings. Yeah. I'd rather trust in God than count on my own feelings. The word of God will never fail. But feelings, they get rearranged. You see, fullness of joy comes as we use joy. Watch this. As I use joy in difficult times. And I push aside my feeling and obey and I push aside my feeling and obey, and I push aside my feelings and obey, I look back and say, okay, I've used what joy I have. And the Holy Spirit says, then I'll fill you back up. I'll fill you to full. Then somebody else needs my help. Somebody else needs my joy. Somebody else needs my joy. Somebody else needs my joy. And I've gone beyond what I've gone before. And I say, God, I feel so empty. He said, okay, come on back to the station and I'll fill you up. And then you start using it. And then you start getting filled back up. Every Sunday morning I text about 50 preachers around the country. Encouraging them. Sometimes it's hard to get up on Sunday mornings and face the devil. I'm not talking about you, but I meant uh, you pay a price to hear it. We pay a price to give it, trust me. And I want men of God all around that I know to get up and be encouraged right away. So about 4.30 or so, I'll text them in the morning, not in the evening. There is another 4.30, just so you know. Now, watch this. Just this week, I... (laughs) 
pulled a young preacher boy getting ready to start a church under my wing. About 7 o'clock, he texted me, and he said, Brother Bush, thanks. He said, I needed that so bad. He said, it's almost like you know what I needed. I said, I didn't, but God did. I said, I started this ten and a half years ago. I said, I'll tell you why. I was scared to death. I said, I needed courage. And I thought maybe if I could encourage somebody else, God would give me the courage I needed, Brother James. I started with about 10 or 12 preachers. Now I've got over 50. And of those 50, many of them are doing it to other preachers they know. And it's going like wildfire. I didn't do it for them as much as I did for me. I needed a little bit of courage. He said, how would you know that's how I felt? I said, because I've been there, dude. It's okay. (laughs) Isn't that what joy is? I can't wait to get up on Sunday mornings now, even with NyQuil brain. (laughs) Wait a minute. I love Sundays. Five till four this morning, I woke up and I said, God, it's Sunday. It's go time. Man, I was having a spell before I got out of bed. I was trying to be still. Because I knew I was going to face the wrath of God if I didn't. She's in the nursery. You see, I remember what it was like being a poor college student. You know, when you lifted the seat covers and the seats in your car trying to find change to put enough gas to get to work in. You all remember those days? Or you hope you found somebody hitchhiking down the road and they give you a couple bucks to put gas in the tank. And then those days you could pick up people to hitchhiking. And back then a couple bucks, that was pretty good. You could get gas for 70 cents a gallon. A couple bucks, man, that, that took care of a few days worth of gas. Now you can't even fill your lawnmower for a couple bucks. Can I tell you something? Right now I don't have to pick up the cushions and try to reach for change to fill my tank. Now I go and I fill it up. But there were days when you did it a dollar or two at a time. To get to where you could fill it up. That your joy maybe full. I remember one time I had taken one of the college teachers somewhere and they said, pull in here. I pulled into a gas station. He said, I want to fill your tank. I said, say what? (laughs) He said, I want to fill your tank. I said, really? I don't remember the last time that car was ever full. I didn't even know if the gas gauge worked all the way up. Now, you got to remember, I had a 1980 Ford Escort. It didn't take very many gallons either. And if it didn't run, you just pushed it, and you can do it with one leg just about. Amen? Now, wait a minute. I remember when he said, pull in here. I want to fill it up. I couldn't believe it. God wants to fill you with joy. Secondly, joy doesn't come in the good times. It comes in the bad times. Turn to John chapter 16. We were in John 17, John chapter 16. 
Look at John chapter 16, verse number 20. Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament. Now, does that sound like you're having a good time? But that the world shall rejoice and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Wow. God says he'll turn your sorrow into joy. God will take your sorrow and through that sorrow, he will give you joy. Hearts are heavy when those we love die. 7.34, Tuesday night, Dr. Anderson went to heaven. Dear friend of mine. I leaned over to my wife and said, he's happy now. Will I miss Dr. Anderson? Of course I will. But how could I be sad at almost 92 years old that he got to go to heaven? He's probably fussing with God because he wanted to go at 90. He's going to say, God, I kept my promise. You didn't keep your promise to me. And God's going to say, Russ, I didn't promise you that. that You asked me to promise you, but I didn't promise you. Wait a minute. That's only Dr. Anderson could say, trust me. Can I tell you something? I miss my mama. But Dad and I have said this often. I, I miss my mom every day. But I wouldn't want her back in the shape she was in. She was hurting. She was sick. Do I miss her? Oh, yeah, but my mom for the last two and a half years has been running around, jumping up and down, taking care of grandbabies and great-grandbabies. And uh, can I tell you something? She's having a time of her life. She's fine. We're the ones suffering back here. Brother Jimbo, he's already working on some things up there for me. Miss Ann, she's running the mansion complex. <laughs> she's throwing out bad tenants. Amen? By the way, she, never mind. Uh, <laughs> oh, my soul. I could go on and on and on and on. No person can take your joy. Because no person gave you your joy. Well, somebody stole my joy. No, you gave it up because you didn't go back to the source of it. No human being can take your joy. Preacher, how do you stay so full of joy when so many things take place? Because it's not mine. It came from an eternal God. And a Holy Spirit of God who's given me a never-ending supply. <laughs> Acts chapter 13, we won't take time to turn there, but the disciples were being rejected. They were being kicked out of town. They were being threatened with lawsuits and death. And the Bible says that they counted it all joy to suffer as a Christian. Joy to suffer? Yeah. Least... <laughs> When they're hitting you in the back, you know you're out in front. Yeah, buddy. Well, they're just sticking me in the back, preacher. It means you're out front. Eating my dust. Here we go. I don't worry about the attack from behind. It's the one in front of me that I worry about. They can shoot at my hindermost parts all they want. I got thick hide back there. 
It had been wore out as a kid, amen? (laughs) The problems in life are what gives us opportunity for joy. Then why do we get mad at God for it? Instead of us getting upset at the problems that come, how about we look at these as opportunities for joy and for the Holy Spirit to work through us to give us what we need? I don't have many problems. I got a lot of opportunities, though. I don't use the word problem very often. I use the word opportunity countless times. Because every difficult thing that comes my way is an opportunity for joy. Every heartache, every broken heart, every sorrow, every pain, all the things that come our way. Preacher, how do you do it? Because I have a never-ending supply of joy. Number three, and I'll finish quickly. God wants us to have joy. So that means having full joy means that we're going to have full problems. Can I tell you something? If you're over the age of 10, you've had problems in your life. You really have. If you're over the age of 25, life hasn't turned out the way you thought it was going to turn out yet. If you're over the age of 30, there ain't nothing you thought happening that was going to happen the way you thought it was going to happen. And by the time you get my age, you don't even remember what you wanted to have happen. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you something? It's not what I plan that makes something worthwhile. It's what God wants that makes it worthwhile. Life is full of problems. Did you know that birth itself is a problem? You ladies know that. The struggle of birth. Life begins with struggle. That creature does not want to let go of mama. It's all comfortable. Then when it gets out, it's too bright. Then it's hungry. It's got to have somebody feed it. There's struggle. Somebody every two hours is getting up and either putting it in or taking care of the exhaust. That was the nicest way I knew how to say that. Huh. Psalm 16, 11. That will show me the path of life. Thy presence, in thy presence is the fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures evermore. You realize that every problem you face, there's opportunity for joy, but you have to face the problem to get to the joy. See, every truth has, a, has two sides. And on the back side of joy is problems. Trouble is, most of us only see the back side. We don't want to see the joy. Psalm chapter 30, verse number 4. The Bible says, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness, for his anger endureth but a moment, in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Doesn't sound like you had a good night. But joy comes in the morning.
I love watching the sunrise. You stand on the porch of this church and look to the east and it is one of the most amazing views in all of God's creation. Sometimes the burdens are heavy. Sometimes I've been up early or up late or all night long carrying a heavy load and that old sun, that old light starts breaking over here and I'll walk out and say, God, good morning. And he paints every day a new picture. I told a few people this week I had taken a picture. It was just amazing of sunrise. And I said, I know the one who paints it. He has nail-pierced hands for me. He painted that with nail-pierced hands, Brother James, just for me to say I love you, just for you to say I love you. Psalm 126, 5 and 6, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. You don't get joy until you sow in tears. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Wow. Jude, Jude 24. You don't need to turn there. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. For you to have full, abundant, and overflowing joy means you're going to have many hard, sad, difficult opportunities. Each time you face one, instead of going by your feelings, just trust your heart. Yeah, that'll get you in trouble in a hurry. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it, the Bible says. But if we'll trust the word of God and do what God says and we'll use what God says and obey it, he said the Holy Spirit then will fill you with joy. And the next opportunity comes and you use what God says and you obey it and he fills you more with joy. Did you know that, I don't know how it all works, but every time I use it, he increases my capacity to hold more? But Bob, I can carry more problems now than I could when I was 25. I can handle the load better. Why? He gave me a bigger tank. Trust me. Some put it on their back. Mine's hanging out over the front. Amen. It's full to overflowing. You see, as we use more joy, our supply tank grows. That's why a first-time parent, every time the child moves, cries, or does something, <gasps> do we need to go to the doctor? You know, you're careful and you do everything. And, you know, every time the pacifier hits the floor, you take it and you boil it and clean it off. By the time the third one comes, you go, here you go. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, you were up every two hours with the first one. By the time the third one comes along... You got the bottle preset, you heat it up, you walk it in, you roll up a blanket, stick it in their mouth, and you go back to bed. When they cry, you go back and burp them. 
You all know what I'm talking about. What is it? The older you get, the more you realize what you didn't need to do. You see, and because the Holy Spirit is eternal, he has an eternal supply of joy. The Holy Spirit of God has an eternal supply of joy. May I say something and be done? Don't be satisfied with a taste. Don't be satisfied with partial joy. You could have joy and have it more abundantly, exceedingly, the Bible says. But that means you're going to have to go through a lot of problems. You can never experience that joy unless you trusted him as Jesus Christ. Trust him as your savior. Can I tell you something? There's no such joy outside of the Holy Spirit. The world has no joy. Isn't that what all the mess is today with this new woke society? Look at the anger and the evil. Look at the uh, anything that's right, decent, moral, and godly. Oh, you people are haters. Did you see your face when you said that? I'm not the one that hates. God says that love has rules. If you love me, keep my commandments. Come back tonight, I'll teach you on that a little bit. So that means this. First of all, you have to get saved to have joy. Because without being saved, you don't have the Holy Spirit inside you. I believe you're more prone to obey him if you just obey him. That means as you read the Bible, you obey it. We ought to obey him with our baptism. We ought to obey him with our church attendance and membership. We ought to obey him by telling others about him. Hey, uh, that's what obedience is all about. Would you like to have joy that's full? We sang the song Wednesday night. Matter of fact, I had already, already had the sermon done and was sitting in my Bible and I had the hymn copied and put into my sermon. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Full of glory. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, the half has not yet been told. Would you like to have full joy? Then don't get upset with the difficulties and problems. Those are the opportunities for joy. The backside of those problems, joy awaits. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy cometh in the morning. 